Okay, I'm really going to reveal my age this morning. I remember in a time in my childhood where wrestling was king. It was on every network that you could imagine on Saturday mornings. And you could not have told me as a child that it wasn't absolutely and truly real. That stuff was real, and it was happening. <laughs> and I can remember one highly anticipated heavyweight matchup between two arch nemesis. One was Ric Flair, and the other one was Ricky Steamboat. Now, Ric Flair's interview right before this heavyweight match, you can still find it on YouTube if you care to look it up, but it went like this. He said to Ricky Steamboat, he said, I'm on national television today to tell you, Ricky Steamboat, that you may be the best wrestler in the world right now. But let me add, woo! Today, you have to contend with me. And let me tell you, Steamboat, in order to be the man, you've got to beat the man. In order to be the man, you've got to beat the man. On this first Sunday of Lent, we have a glimpse of a heavyweight title match about to take place. Mark tells us that there are two combatants on the field of battle in the wilderness, in the desert that day, all those 40 days. There were Jesus and Satan. Now, before you go on saying that in this title match that the Satan was a pushover, he was no match for Jesus, consider this. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of this world. In other words, he's the man. He's the man. In John 12, even Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be cast out. The prince of this world, Satan. John 14, Jesus says it again. I will no longer speak with you very much, for the prince of this world is coming. Jesus says the prince of this world is Satan. He is the title holder of this earth. So I'm going to assume today that you understand and that you believe in the reality of Satan. Because some people don't, you know. Some people don't. But scripture is clear that there is a cunning, conniving, personal being that stands against the plan of God in this world and stands to corrupt and to destroy the creatures of God, the children of God. Scripture has over 40 names for this personal being. The devil, the adversary, the advocate, the antichrist, the accuser, the deceiver, the father of lies, the fallen angel, the prince of darkness, the slanderer, the author of sin, the chief of all demons, and the tempter and the tempter. By whatever name you know Satan, for one thing is sure that the ancient Hebrews, the ancient Christians, and Jesus himself believed in this personal being whose goal it is to thwart the word, the plan of God, and to destroy the children of God. My friends, his will is malicious and his power is great. So today I want to talk to you about the tempter, especially this tempter who goes up against Jesus in the wilderness. For Mark describes this as a time at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Remember that? He's just beginning his earthly ministry. But before he does that, for 40 days, he must be tempted of Satan. He must wrestle with those things inside of himself that might distract him from obedience toward God before he's able to go in his public um, ministry. Not surprisingly, these 40 days, these struggles that we see today in Mark's gospel are on the first Sunday of Lent every year, whether it's in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. 
Because they are to to show us that not only did Jesus wrestle with temptations, his own personal wrestlings, but we must also do battle. We must also be involved in a wrestling match with he who tries to undo us, corrupt and destroy us, and to divert us away from God's plan. So we too are reminded that in order for us to be the man or the woman for God, we too must beat the man who seeks to work us woe. Unlike Matthew and Luke, though, Mark doesn't give us a full description of what was occurring in the wilderness, but we do realize a few things. Mark tells us that Jesus had been baptized in the River Jordan. Now, the heavens opened up at that time. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down and lighted on Jesus and really indwelled in him. So a powerful thing's happening at baptism. Then the Father confirms his mission in the world. The Father says to him, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. You have my stamp of approval before going out in ministry. So the Holy Spirit's come down, and immediately this Holy Spirit drives him into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days by Satan. Now, in Mark 3, we learn something else about this tempter. In Mark 3, Jesus says, No one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his goods until he first binds up the strong man. Then indeed he will be able to enter the house and plunder his goods. The strong man that Jesus is referring to is Satan. Jesus is about to embark on a three-year mission to bind up the powers of Satan, to win us, his creation, back to the heart of the Father, to bring mankind out of bondage to sin and death and the devil. So that's what these 40 days are about the embarking on a plan of salvation by Jesus. And I think when we look at it, we learn some some lessons that we can take into our own hearts when we're under temptation ourselves, especially in these 40 days of Lent. The first thing I want you to notice is Satan goes after those who are doing the will of the Father. Those people who are trying to, to turn away from sin, turn towards God, those are the people who will be afflicted by Satan. Jean-Baptiste Vianney once said, The devil tempts those who wish to abandon sin. Others already belong to the devil. He has no need to tempt them. Now, if you've ever been on a spiritual retreat, or if you've ever tried to turn your life more fully over to Jesus as Lord and Savior, or if you've tried to serve in Haiti, or do any grand thing for God in the world, you know that in doing that, you placed a bullet, a a bullseye, right on your back. And the devil is there to corrupt and destroy God's plan for your life. He doesn't go after those who are following evil. He goes after those who are following good. In John 10.10, the devil is described as the destroyer. He seeks to destroy those people who are working for God's will in the world. Just as Jesus was baptized. You you can imagine the devil's interest being piqued on that day. You know, the heavens are opening up and Jesus is God's son and he's about to embark on this mission and the Holy Spirit's in him and, and he is God's plan A for salvation. You can imagine the devil from that moment on placed a target on the back of Jesus. I've got to get this guy diverted from the perfect plan of God's obedient will for this, this world. So he's going to come after you guarantee it if you're walking with the Father. You will be tempted of Satan. The first thing I want you to notice about those temptations of Jesus is he comes to Jesus in his weakness. He knows Jesus' vulnerabilities. 
Jesus has been fasting for how many days? 40 days. You know, our kids complain when we do a 30-hour famine. Can you imagine a 40-day famine? Can you imagine how, how deeply hungry he is? And Satan says, look at all these rocks, Jesus. You have the power within you to turn them all into bread. You can satisfy your hunger right now. He was weak. He was vulnerable. Jesus was in the wilderness. What does that mean? Well, that means he's alone. He's lonely. He has no one upon which he might be able to lean, upon whom he might be able to lean. He's tired. He's mentally drained. He's physically hungry. Satan knows your weaknesses and can get through that crevice. The famous basketball coach John Wooden once said this. He said, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one's watching. Isn't that when your temptation is greatest, when no one else is watching? The devil knows when to strike. He knows when you're vulnerable. How many of us have known a man or a woman who are trapped in a loveless marriage and, and suddenly in that loveless marriage we feel like our spouse hadn't paid enough attention to us and we feel like we've been lonely and abandoned and we feel very vulnerable and maybe this person has no one upon whom he or she might lean and then comes along this great guy this great guy that affirms her and supports her and shows her the kind of love she hadn't felt in years now in that vulnerable marriage in that weakened state she falls over into temptation my friends be careful in your weakness because that's when the devil's going to attack the second strategy of Satan is to get us to take shortcuts in our spiritual lives. Now think about that for a minute. Take shortcuts. Sometimes, subtly, Satan will use even good things to divert you away from disobedience to the Father. Away from obedience to the Father. And isn't that what we see in Jesus' temptation? The two Gospels, Luke and Matthew, fill in the space that Mark leaves out today. The first temptation was, turn these stones into bread. Now, that's not an evil thing, is it? No, it's a subtly good thing. Jesus, you can feed yourself. Jesus, you could feed the world with all these stones. So it's a subtle temptation to use the good things that God has provided outside of God's will to divert us from obedience to the Father. Take a shortcut, Jesus. Take a shortcut. Throw yourself down off this temple. Certainly the angels will come in and swoop you up lest you hurt your foot and lest you, ba you ba dash your foot against a stone. Wow the world, in other words. Uh, amuse them with your parlor tricks. Show them your power, Jesus, and you'll have droves of people following you. In other words, Jesus, take a shortcut. You don't have to do it the hard way. Finally, Satan says, you know, worship me, Jesus, and all the nations of the world will be yours. Just for one second, bow down to me and worship me. And you won't have to go through any of the pain, the humiliation, the suffering, the death on Calvary. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Take a shortcut, Jesus. Take the easy way. Nobody's watching. It's just you and me in the desert. You see young people doing this. You see young people who begin to date and they fall in love and, and then they, they start with kissing and then maybe it's hand-holding and then it's hugging and then it's heavier and heavier petting. And before you know it, they've fallen headlong into temptation. And they've fallen over to premarital sex and and then they try and justify it saying, well, we're in love. Or, or maybe with the great Alabama song, they say those words, it feels so right. And when they break up, what happens? Their hearts are crushed and their lives are ruined because they've taken something good that God has created like sex. God loves sex. 
But he wants us to keep it within healthy and God-given parameters. God does that for us. You see, sex is like fire. You put it in a fireplace and it provides heat and warmth and comfort to the entire family. But you take it out of its proper context and you build a fire on the kitchen floor. It's going to burn down the house. You see, God didn't desire it to be on the kitchen floor. See, the devil wants us to take shortcuts, shortcuts in our relationships so that we don't have to follow the rule and obedience of the Father. Another strategy that Satan takes is for, to get you and me to, to compromise our trust in God's word and God's authority for our lives. Remember this happened in Genesis 3. What does the serpent do? Comes up to Eve and says in 3.1, did God actually say, in other words, is this God's word? Did God actually say that you can't eat of any tree in the entire garden? Now we know that that's not true. God didn't say that. But the devil places that seed of doubt in her heart by getting her to, by twisting God's word and by getting her to harbor doubt in her heart over the authority of God's word. He confuses Eve and gets her to question God's authority. Now, I was flabbergasted when I read that several years ago, uh, a Christian poll done by the Barna Institute, a very good, good uh, poll-taking uh, organization, said that 46% of all Christians in America no longer believe that Jesus led a sinless life. Can you believe it? 46%. God's Word says it. But because we've lost confidence and trust in God's authority, we begin to question it. God, certainly, Jesus couldn't have lived a sinless life. Satan, my friends, can quote Scripture with the best of them. And he takes it and twists it and undermines our trust in the authority of the Father. He did that with Jesus. He came to Jesus in the wilderness and quoted Psalm 91 perfectly. Jesus, he will commend his angels concerning you, and they shall lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan can quote scripture with the best of them. So what do we see? Satan attacks those who are trying to walk faithfully with God. Satan knows our vulnerabilities and weaknesses. Satan tries to get us to take shortcuts, even with good things in our lives, in order to divert us from God's good and perfect will. And Satan can even use scripture to get us to question God's authority. So what do we do in these 40 days of Lent? What lesson might we learn from Jesus that we might be better able to defend ourselves before Satan and his temptations? Well, the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet remained without sin. So if he was victorious, maybe he should be our model and our template for living victorious lives over sin. First of all, the first thing that Jesus did is he went back to Scripture. You see, Satan had taken Scripture and twisted it, and Jesus comes back with the untwisted, unadulterated Word of God. He compares Satan's use of Scripture in Psalm 91 with his own use of Scripture. He compares Scripture with Scripture. That's what every Christian is called to do. Look at the Holy Word of God, not to confirm your preconceived notions about the lifestyle you would want to live, not to validate what you're already doing, but to evaluate what God would be doing in your life. So go back to Scripture. Three times Jesus went back to Deuteronomy, and he attacked Satan with it. Second thing you need to do is go straight to Jesus. There's the old nursery rhyme song, Jesus Loves Me. And in that song we say, we are weak, but he is strong. We've got to realize that. 
He's tempted in every way as we are. Yet don't forget that you're not alone in your battle. Jesus is there to empathize with you. You have a Savior that you can call upon to fight for you. Fight the battle. To give you strength that your nature doesn't have by itself. Martin Luther once said, Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. He's got to win it, my friends. The third thing that you need to realize in this Lenten season is that you can lean on the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when the, the heavens opened up and the Spirit came down and infused itself into the life of Jesus, it gave Jesus the power to stand against Satan. And guess what? At your baptism, that same Holy Spirit came into your life. You see, we get into the trouble when we start to try and overcome our temptations through our human nature. But God has given you a spirit. And in 1 John 4, 4, it says, Greater, little children, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You see, Satan, the prince of this world, doesn't stand a chance against the Holy Spirit of God residing in you. So lean on God's spirit. And the fourth thing that we all need to do in this Lenten season is we need to flee from sin. Flee from temptation. Don't even get close to it. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, flee fornication. It says in 10, 1 Corinthians 10, flee idolatry. Uh, 2 Timothy says, free from lust. In other words, don't even get near it. Run before the temptation comes. You see, we're not strong enough to go toe-to-toe with the devil. Only Jesus could do that. Flee whenever possible. In the low country of South Carolina in Winyall Bay, there was a large ship that was going through the channel one day, and it ran aground on a sandbar. And this grizzled old fisherman pulls up beside the ship's captain and said, Sir, it looks like you need a pilot to take you through this difficult waters. And the captain said, Well, do you know where all the snags and the sandbars are? And he said to him, No, sir, I don't. Well, how in the world, the captain said, do you expect to take me through these waters if you don't know where the snags and the sandbars are? He says, because, captain, I know where they ain't. I know where they ain't. You get the point. As much as possible, uh, you know where the temptations ain't. Stay clear of them. The devil is too strong for you. And in this season of Lent, remember what we started out with. In order to be the man you must beat the man. And Jesus did that. Colossians 2.15 says, Jesus made a public spectacle over the principalities and powers, triumphing over all evil on the cross. In that royal rumble, in that battle, Jesus was clearly victorious. He beat the man. Jesus won the battle. And because he was victorious, he said this to us, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. He's victorious. So, defeating the prince of darkness, he's the man. But the final demise isn't yet until he comes again to fully thwart evil in this world. And until then, the devil will try to work his woe in our lives. So be mindful, as Peter says. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. So in these 40 days of Lent, remember 
Jesus' miraculous, victorious day when he overcame the evil one and put down the power of Satan. And that he promises in these days before his coming again to give us power for victorious living if you will trust in him, if you will draw from his power, if you'll trust his spirit that's in you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.